Welcome back, everyone. This is The Change Log, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This is episode 162, and on today's show, we're joined by Brandon Mathis. Brandon is the creator of Octopress. If you haven't seen Octopress, I don't know where you've been at, because so many blogs out there right now leverage Octopress, well, 2.0 Octopress, not 3.0. 3.0 is a complete rewrite. We dive deep into that with this show here. Uh, 2.0 is gone. 3.0 is basically out there. The, the announcement hasn't been official. There's some things Brandon's working on, which you'll hear in this show. Uh, but 3.0 is basically Jekyll's Ferrari, you know? So get excited about this show and, and what Brandon's working on. We have three awesome sponsors, Codeship, Dreamhost, and TopTal. Our first sponsor is Codeship. There you hosted. Continuous delivery service focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in your app today in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy your code when your tests have passed. Codeship supports your GitHub and your Bitbucket projects, and you can get started today with Codeship's free plan. Should you decide to go with a premium plan, you can use our code to save 20% off any plan you choose for three months. The code is the changelog podcast. Head to codeship.com slash the changelog to get started. And now on to the show. Well, we're back. Uh, long time in the making for this show. Brandon, have wanted to have you back to talk about Octopress 3.0. I think, Jared, we've covered Octopress how many times on the on Changelog Weekly? Lots of times. At least a couple. Yeah. And every time we do, we get tweets and emails and fan mail. I get mailed to my house, my home address, saying more Octopress. So, Brandon, welcome back. Thanks for uh, letting me back. Yeah. Octopress 3.0. How excited are you? Oh, really excited. I am. Has it been a lot of hard work? Gosh, for real. I mean, it's it's not just a lot of hard work. It's also been a whole lot of learning, which is the, the fun part. But, you know, it's kind of like when I when I first started working on Octopress, it was just some cool thing that I had barely figured out how to do. But, you know, n- then uh, once people started using it, I started to find out um, there's a lot of different needs for it. And then uh, and finally, I am able to, you know, I was able to take time to sit back and say, you know, if I had any skills, what would this look like? And so then I spent like two years trying to build those skills and then uh, and build what I wanted to make the first time if I knew how to do it. And I can see that BrandonMathis.com is still using the original design you had done. And this was in Jekyll, right? This this site here? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it is Jekyll. That's what got me starting with Octopress. But that is probably using Octopress 1. Um I, as I, as, there's not even a post on there announcing Octopress. It's just some other project that I released right before it. And, um, that's always kind of, um, something I am able to appreciate and laugh at myself about. I decided at some point that, um, at this point in my life, my code is more valuable than the other things I would write about. And so I've poured a lot of energy into code, not building, writing. Yeah. Making it so that other people can write um you know their sites and you know building nice tools and and developing that um i really hope to kind of turn back and and write a lot about what i've learned and you know have a nice blog again but uh i didn't want to distract myself well you got a family you got a full-time job speaking of your full-time job you work at compose formerly mongo hq so i know we use mongo hq at pure charity when i worked there um for our mongo hosting which was great um and you created octopress six Years ago. So for everybody listening now, catching up saying, what the heck, Octopress 3.0, what happened to 1.0 and 2.0? Well, 2.0 is out there. 
And I guess 3.0 is sort of out there. We'll hear more from you today. Um, <laughs> hasn't nice been talked about it. quite as much like you just said there because you're not really doing much with your blog. And even the latest post on octopress.org isn't, isn't quite saying like, hey, here it is. Right. Yeah, I have, a, I have a version of that post in a draft that I'm kind of working on figuring out how I want to do some things. You know, the, the, um, the post that's up there right now is talking about, uh, it says Octopress 3 is coming. And basically, I just, you know, throw all my dirty laundry out there and dissected it and said, this is, um, right. this is, a, this is what I did wrong with Octopress 2. Um, a lot of people are using it and enjoying it. And I'm sorry <laughs> uh, for, for these <laughs> But these mistakes I've made, these are the things I've learned. This that's, is what I'm bringing. To that's Dr. what happens with open source, though. You know, you you you, uh, you know, somebody does something good. They don't have their full time to give to it, and so you know, you either uh, get more people involved in your project, or you're a one man show like you've been. And I think you've had some help too from from Parker Moore. Oh yeah, uh, you know, back and forth with Jekyll. And I think you're are you're part of the core team with Jekyll now, or are you just sort of playing no. uh, playing some sort of role in that? <laughs> Well, no, I'm I'm not a core team member. I am um, a friend of Jekyll. I don't know, you know, like you say, you got a friend of the show or whatever. I guess I'm a friend of Jekyll uh, in that way because, like, uh, for example, uh, I recently participated in JekyllConf, which was an online conference. Right, that was awesome. And um, lots of people were there, including Tom Preston Warner, who created Jekyll, and uh, Parker, who's the lead maintainer right now. And I showed off some of the new stuff I've been building, and. Um, you know, they were taking questions on Twitter and pretty much immediately after I started showing a couple of things, Tom wrote in saying, why isn't this stuff part of core? And would you be okay with adding it? And I'm like, sure, dude, steal what you want. It's MIT. I'll help however. But yeah, you know, uh, on, um, the, uh, tagline for Octopus used to be, um, was it a blogging framework for hackers or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because the, somebody posted on hacker news, uh, with, when two, uh, 2.0 came out and um of course i didn't know what hacker news was at the time and i still barely do i don't pay attention to that stuff believe it or not um and some guy accused me of picking that as a tagline tagline just to get on hacker news i'm like dude i don't even know what this is what's going on so come but on um now. now the uh the um the tagline i'm playing around with right now which is just it's like a you know who, who cares what you say about something but uh i'm i'm I, the way i look at uh, octopress is that it's like jekyll's ferrari so if, if Jekyll had, you know, or, um, good paint you know. job, maybe New <laughs> well, it's, it's like, like uh, engine. it's like Jekyll can, Jekyll is a lightweight, uh, sprint runner. He's got some skills and stuff, but every now and then he wants to jump into a Ferrari and just, you know, blast it. And so that's kind of what Entrest <laughs> is about. It's like, this is, this is the place where Jekyll feels good. Um, I don't know if that's sensible or not, but, uh, basically, um, there are a whole bunch of tools built around Jekyll and Octopress is just my name for tools that I build to make that ecosystem uh, have the things that I want in it. And we can talk about some more of those in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the history to a degree, uh, especially since you just mentioned the name, WordPress, right? So is Octopress a play on that? Or is is that why Press is after Octo? Was it a GitHub thing? You know, everybody assimilates uh, Octo for something GitHub, right? So you got... I don't know. Oct- is, don't they have OctoConf or is it just CodeConf or something like that? But they do Octo something Octocat all the time. There. Yeah, OctoCat. Right, uh, OctoCat. And then you got there. OctoKit too, which is the API kit, the API uh, right. frameworks. and The Octacons are their icons. Yeah, they, yeah. they actually say um, it, for people who are building stuff that goes with the, um, the GitHub API, don't use the name GitHub, use the name Octo. And yeah. so uh, this actually, Octopress doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, I just happen to really like octopuses and um or octopi, you can actually say either 
Uh, but I was about uh, to correct oh, you, you, but then you just said you can say either and now. I was going to correct him too, but I decided to. I'm so glad I didn't correct you. I'm not well, do it. I, I'm just actually making this up. To <laughs> uh, so anyway, though, I thought, yeah, this was a rage quitting of WordPress. And I thought <laughs> what would be a cool thing is I just pictured what is now the icon, which was uh, or the it's not really an icon. The graphic that I use is an octopus uh, typing on a typewriter. And I got David Lanham to do that art. Uh, and actually thinking of David Lanham designing that art and having the um, uh, and ha- you know, and what it was going to look like was a part of me picking the name. It, I just really thought it would be cool to have an octopus on this old school typewriter. So did I see an octopus or an octopus? That's what I meant. Anyway, my autocorrect is like doesn't ever know what I'm trying to talk about. Well, you know, it's not in your voice. It's on your phone. Oh, true. the autocorrect. Yes. Well, I also I guess. Um, yeah. I've taught, you can teach your computer. You can't teach your phone. But That's right. I've taught my computer. It knows what it knows what it's expecting. So anyway, yeah, I, I was rage quitting uh, WordPress, and I just um, thought that would be a neat. You know, it's it's such a close word to octopus, and um, so yeah, that's it was just as simple as that. So it's more of an affinity towards, well, I guess, anti affinity to WordPress than it would be an affinity to GitHub. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I don't know. Maybe some of GitHub at the time could have influenced that. This was in early 2000. Yeah, I mean, this is sometime in 2009. Ago. So really, I think I started using GitHub in 2008, maybe. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't as eating the world as it is today. Um, and so I, you know, looking back, I, that's how I remember it. Um, it may have also been that GitHub had an Octocat. I don't really remember if they, I think it was pretty new. Since you mentioned they, dates, June 5th, 2008. What, do you, what were you doing that day? I was... Joining work, GitHub. <laughs> I was... I was like, I am so done with Subversion. Oh, I was celebrating. Rage quitting I was subversion. like, what is a branch? What? How do you, what is this merge conflict? When did you join, Jared? GitHub? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How do I find out? Uh, you go to your, your uh, profile page. All right, cool. So this is what we're going to do here. I'll tell you here in a second. April 22nd, <laughs> like 2008. A, so you beat Brandon. It's like a peen contest. Ooh. I beat you. Yeah. Let's see if, let's see if, let's I see beat. if anybody beat me. Yes, March 12th. Same year. So you beat me by a month, about. They, they didn't open up until, I think, January of that year. It was such unique times, too. Uh, it brings back memories. I remember having a conversation with Josh Owens, uh, co-host of a podcast I ran a while ago called The Web 2.0 Show. If anybody listened to that show, uh, I big did. shout out. Um, we were actually in San Francisco for the Web 2.0 Expo, which was super cool back in the day. And we went over to Pivotal Labs and met up with Tom Preston Warner and Chris Wanstroth and sat down and had a face-to-face conversation about GitHub like a month before this. So like February time frame. Crazy. crazy. That's fun. On the show or just for fun? No, we, we released the podcast. I'll link it up in the show notes. Nice. It's out there on the web still yet. But yeah, man, I... It's just crazy how time flies. And six years ago, I mean, that's like, that's Octopress six years ago. But like GitHub is, you know, going on what six, eight, seven, eight, something like that. It was around before I started Octopress because I uh, learned some of the in- initial things that I put into my first version from there. Uh, John Long had some rake tasks for uh, deploying stuff through rsync, and I was like, no way, you can just point rsync at a directory and SSH it somewhere. This is amazing. And you know, this is before GitHub Pages and stuff. And so that was the initial version was just basically my blog, fork it, and then run some rake tasks. Yeah. For those who want to know the, uh, 
I guess the the link. I'm trying to find it real quick. Let's see, where is it at? Okay, I can't find it. Check the show notes. It's in this <laughs> list. I just can't seem to scan and find GitHub in this list. That's crazy. But yeah, we we um we had some fun going out there and talking to those guys and it's just been such a ride too for GitHub. It's been so long. And yeah. I guess since we're talking about the past a little bit, this isn't your first time on this podcast either, Brent. You've been on the show in its infancy, episode 17, where this is episode 162. It might be 163, so if you're listening to this and it's actually 163, sorry. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, no, it's right in. Gonna, Adam wants to be corrected. Yeah. I'm going to change that. But, uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> but uh, episode 17 was March 11th, 2010, which, you know, that's long time ago man this feels like forever years, ago. man i feel like we're getting old all the young people listening to this show jeez <laughs> ah, i just wish i was young again but anyways so octopress 3.0 that's where we're at now but it began somewhere 1.0 obviously or somewhere around there 2.0 is what i think the website best represents you know or is at least talking about so you got a full-time job. This has been like, I told Jared in the pre-call, like, this is your curl. We had, um, geez, what's his name? Daniel Stenberg. Daniel Stenberg, yeah. And Daniel Stenberg wrote curl and libcurl. And he's been doing that for how many years now? 17 years. 17. 17 years of curl. That's right. You're completing my sentences, and I appreciate that. And this dude has been doing that project only consistently for at least two hours a day for 17 years. Right, Brandon? Like, imagine that. That's wild. Yeah. Is that what Octopress is for you? Uh, it is that right now. I mean, I, I actually do build a lot of other stuff, too. Um, right now, um, another side project is a personal personality profile test that um, it w- is... Uh, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to have... Because, uh, you know, all these... Prof- I love... I study personalities. I think they're fascinating in, in the way they work. And, and all the tests out there, though, are either crappy or you pay to take them. And I thought, well, you know... With all, I mean, I've been studying this stuff for like 14, 15 years. And um, I, you know, it, given the qu- kind of questions these things ask, it'd be very easy to write my own and then put it on GitHub and have people submit pull requests to improve the questions and stuff. And then also for people who are curious about that kind of stuff, how that stuff works, they can see a really simple test. And so there's, you know, I'm still working on launching it, but Stuff like that, you know. I've got uh, also hslcolorpicker.com. Yeah, I remember that. It's a fun front end tool. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that I, uh, that I like to build. I guess since you mentioned that, we should also mention: Are you still on the core team of of uh, Compass? So Compass has been um, end of life, and uh, when's Chris that? Is now did working. I not hear about that? <laughs> is that news? I mean, Jared, did we miss that? Did I? Did I just make that up? Uh, breaking breaking news <laughs> no, here on the Shane Vlog. So I think I think what's actually happened is uh, Chris is moving on to Spectacles, which is something that is more. Um, I think it's uh, written in JavaScript. It's around um, the uh, libsass stuff with uh, Node.js, and it's it's meant to be something that's easier for people to use than Compass, and it's kind of a, re- a, a start over. And so Compass is wow, like marginally supported, if that right now. Uh, we should pause your show and talk about this now because I hadn't heard any of this news. Well, you need to talk to Chris yeah. then, because um, <laughs> he's 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 uh really he's he's looking for help. He's trying to make you know bring a lot of the stuff in that uh, people liked about Compass, but separate it in a way that isn't uh, a whole pile of uh, do I want this or not. And people, you know, because the, the really nice thing about was comp with about Compass was how it would integrate into your environment 
and make it easier for you to, you know, reference images without having to maintain all the URLs to CDNs yeah. and stuff yourself. All the, just so many cool things that Compass does. It is, uh, you know, he's trying to bring that to the community who isn't interested in using Ruby. And, so it's you know, called Speckles, can, what he's working on now. Spectacles, I think. Spectacles. Yeah. I, All right, uh, we'll get in touch, Chris. Now I feel really bad, like, saying this on, on a re- recording because I don't know if I'm accurately portraying these things or not. This is my... You know, caveats, okay. Something you heard through the grapevines. So yeah, no. somebody made this up, guys. Somebody, probably I don't even know. Idiot. But, but anyway, so are you still part of the Compass team then? Even if it's where it's, I, it's over, man. I really haven't been helping out with that uh, for quite a while now. Um, I helped with building the website and some other things. And, you know, some of my early plugins, I think, maybe got people excited about what it's like to do plugins. I also wrote a book with Wynn Netherland and uh, Nathan Weisenbaum. Or actually, Natalie now. Natalie, I think it still says Nathan on the cover, though. Um, and then, uh, and then Chris as well. And so that was my final contribution, I think. Hmm. What was that book called? That was called Compass in Action or Sass in Action? Sass and Compass in Action. Compass Sass and Sass. And Sass. I don't remember. Yeah, I've got I, a Japanese version of it though, which is really cool. I own cool. the book right here on my bookshelf. I, let me look back here and see if I can see it. Where's it at? Yep. There it is. Got the book. Yeah. I, I, I they, uh, they also printed it and translated it in Japan. And so they sent me one of those when they did, and it is a way better cover. It's like all pink and blue and goofy looking, and you know, it's just like this thing looks awesome. It looks like it fell out of an '80s anime. Wow! So all that to say is that not only do you have a full time at Compose, have a family, and have a life, you also do OptoPress, HSL Picker, a personality test. Had been a part of the Compass team for a bit. Wrote a book. So you're busy, right? So th- this is some reasons why 2.0 to 3.0 have been, what, about a year and a half-ish, two years? I'd go with two years. I mean, since I've been working on it in earnest, I, uh, yeah, so to answer the question that that seems to suggest, I am working on this thing like crazy. Uh, it is kind of like uh, some people enjoy sports. Uh, this is what I enjoy. <laughs> so I, when, you know, when I have free time in the evening, when I have energy, um, I sit down and I work on this for several hours. And so just for the safety's sake, then, for those who are still trying to catch up with what, what Octopress is, what's the one-liner? You know, what is Octopress? Octopress is a collection of tools to make working uh, with Jekyll sites better, more fun, and uh, it makes me feel good. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I don't have a one-liner. I'm, well, Octopress 2.0 is basically some guy's Jekyll blog you can fork and modify. Right. That's, that's so, what I called it in my, what is wrong with me? Why did I build this post? Right, right, right. There you go. So, yeah, this is, this is, a uh, this is, okay. So, I mean, do you, do you want to talk about um, the, what happened here? What, what was going yes. on with the transition? Yeah, because it yeah. sounds like there were some serious deficiencies, um, according, not according to us, but according to yourself. And, what became 2.0 it looks like your octopus 2.0 surfaces post was you know 2011 july 2011 and then octopus 3 is on its way so there's some also some time about four years in there what yep. and you call octopus 3 a complete rewrite so what was so oh, yeah. wrong uh that it needed a complete rewrite and why is it okay so just to be blunt why is it taking so long besides all the stuff that we just said about family and job and all that well so when two came out uh i spent a lot of time just working on two uh, i think even in uh let me think uh yeah for like a, the next for about a year and a half i just spent time trying to make it better and um i guess digging the hole deeper uh instead of moving on because 
really what what the problem was is it is a it's at iMathis Octopress. It is a repo that you fork or uh, clone, and then run some commands and make it your own and push it to your own uh, Git repository. Hopefully, never find when people say, oh, "I deleted my blog. What do I do?" I'm like, "Dude, uh, time machine. I don't know." Um, but uh, yeah, so it it was kind of like all set up for you to use a certain way, but. The you know Jekyll has a plugin system that is really simple to use if you want to m- modify your own site. There's just a directory called plugins in your site source, and you can just drop a Ruby file in there. It'll get required uh, as long as you're, you know, building it locally. If you push it to GitHub Pages, it won't. Mm. Mm. But if you uh, if you're building it locally, um, yeah, you can add whatever Ruby in there you want, and it's like, hey man, you added this Ruby, you better believe it's it's good. And so I had a whole bunch of uh, Ruby files in the plugins directory that would do all these cool things like uh, make it nice for you to write code snippets and generate nice HTML around those. And um, there were some rake tasks that did uh, uploading and configuring and all these kind of cool things. And so, you know, if you wanted to change anything though, the problem is you're tracking my repository. Right. And so if I make an update and then you want to pull that in, you have to deal with merge conflicts. That kind of thing was just stupid. And this is because I didn't know how to build gems. And that's one of the reasons why I never used it. Yeah, that's the dumb thing about it. Uh, Hands in the air about that one. I, I mean, I was a middleman person before I was a Jekyll person, and that was one of the reasons why. I remember even since you mentioned John Long earlier, he and I worked on the SASWay.com together, and when we redid the SASWay from, I think it was, I forget what, what it was written in originally, but it's it's written in middleman now. So that's a, right. a middleman site. And he he talked about using Octopress because you were doing 3.0 and all these new things, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I just... I don't. I didn't like how you know the how things were so fractured, you know, and how how they were so fragile. It seemed, you know, with yeah. oh, pull boy. requests and you know just not pull requests, but uh, like merge issues and stuff like that. I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, it's just stupid. I mean, like the the configuration for your site is uh, the underscore config YAML file, and so if you make changes to that, and I'm like, oh, I should add this new thing, or you know, I want to I want to change the way this plugin works because someone submitted a pull request that fixes this other thing. And then all of a sudden, you have to deal with the merge conflicts of changes like that, as opposed to just, you know, it being in a gem, and then you have your own configuration and stuff like that. And so, I mean, this was before. I mean, gosh, it's gotten so much easier to deploy Ruby gems now. And you know, uh, Bundler is a big part of that. You can just say Bundler gem, and then give it a name, and it'll generate a gem scaffold for you, and with all kinds of nice defaults and stuff. And so you just dump your Ruby code in there, and then run a couple of rate commands, and it ships it up to Ruby gems. And it's like that simple. And it wasn't that simple at the time. And also, I wanted to build a command line interface, and I still needed to learn a lot of Ruby. I mean, I knew enough to write some cool plugins, and I learned, yeah. you know, I got some insane knowledge of regular expressions. But other than that, uh, you know, I just didn't have the skills. And so um, I had a really hard time maintaining that. And right now, there's a whole bunch of open issues. And some of it is just because I think the uh, cloneness and it and then mess with it is really attractive to a lot of people because they can see how everything works. It's not hidden away in some gem somewhere. Right. And so a lot of people used it who were getting to know Ruby for the first time or getting to know, you know, development or all kinds of things. Like it was, it was crazy. The number of people that talked to me who this was like their intro into the development world. And it was because you just, it's so simple. You just pull it down and there it is and it works and you can mess with things and, and so that had uh, that had the negative side effect, though, of attracting a lot of people who didn't really know how development works. And so they would submit issues saying, oh, it would be cool if you added this thing. It would be cool if you added this thing. And so I've got all this 
code that I can't use or that if I bring it in, it breaks other people's sites. And it just, it was horrible to maintain. And uh, so there were a lot of good things about it, but there were some really bad things about it too. I, I, I think when we, when I think about Octopress, I think about developer blogs for one. And then I feel like it's the, you know, Kubrick theme as it is to WordPress, which isn't quite relevant now, but it was back in the day. So people who have, you know, been using WordPress for a long time, uh, Kubrick was a really popular theme. I think it was the first original theme that WordPress recognized as a third party that became an official. And so if you saw a WordPress site, you could easily recognize it was WordPress based upon its theme. I feel like it's the same thing with, with Octopress is that um, I don't know how many blogs I go out there and it's like, it's, it's basically the Octopress site as you see it now with a slightly different header, you know, text header or whatever. Like it's, it caught on and there are so many sites we link to and change all weekly or just in general that it's, it's Octopress. It's, yeah. it's out there quite a bit. And so it's very popular. It's, it's been nice because, you know, same thing happens to me. I'll, if I don't hit Stack Overflow, I frequently hit an Octopress blog looking for something. And I always try to um, find you, out who the author is. Do you go a little is. bit inside when that happens? You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, not only, do I, not only do I get excited, but I also um, I always try to thank the person uh, if they have a Twitter handle available or something or if they have email. But um, so it's just like, hey, man, you know, thanks for uh, helping me solve this problem. I'm excited to see that smart people like you are using Octobress. So that was, that's always fun. So, so to summarize some of the issues you're trying to solve with, and Jared's original question was, what's, what's wrong with 2.0? You know, why, why the full rewrite to 3.0? So a lot of the issues are, uh, the, way it was, uh, the way it was originally published was, uh, you know, so you had to fork your original version, you had to deal with merge conflicts, and it was just sort of messed up. Gems have gotten a lot easier to, to publish for Ruby. Uh, what were some of the other things you'd mentioned? I will say, as a correction, you don't actually have to fork it. A lot of people did because I don't think people knew how to use GitHub at the beginning. It's like, do, do I if I fork this, then it's mine, and they didn't really right. understand it's for contributing. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it. I mean, it, it's just the it's just the very simple separation of concerns problem that if you build a uh, one tool that has tons of different code that solves different problems, then it's really hard to break those apart when you need to figure out what's what's going wrong. And so it wasn't really testable. There were so many challenges in developing a system that was like, it all kind of works together. And if you pull something out, you know, it was, you know, it like, if you remove one plugin, it may break another plugin that was expecting that because they don't right. have a dependency chain. They're just Ruby files. Um, and so then if you want to unwind something, you're like, well, where, you know, you're, you're actually editing all this code to figure out how to remove something. And that's just terrible. So I could go on about the many sins, yes, but it's basically I'm, just... I wanted to summarize what the real problems were so that it was clear. So as we step into deeper discussions about 3.0 here in just a bit, that we st we can reflect back on some of the problems you've already illustrated, with, which is why 3.0 is a rewrite, not just a... Right. You know, so a as, as a summary, then, it's the way it was deployed was through Git, which meant you were tracking all my stuff. That's bad. Git is for collaboration. It's not for shipping a product. That doesn't make any sense. Um, the other problem was that it was, uh, yeah, it, it, all, the, all the pieces kind of were, came with the puzzle and you couldn't really take them apart or add to it easily. Um, I think those are the main, main problems with it, really. And cool. Let's, uh, let's take a break then real quick. We'll do a sponsor break. And when we come back, we'll start diving deeper into Octopress 3.0. So we'll be right back. DreamHost now has managed VPS hosting built for speed, 
and scalability, including solid state drives, and that's awesome. These VPSs are built for open source developers and now include one-click installs of Node.js, custom Ruby, and RVM support. Speed, speed, and more speed is what it's all about. Their VPS servers use SSD hard drives and are 20% faster than traditional SATA drives. All virtual private servers from DreamHost include SSD storage, Ubuntu 12.04 LTS, web-based control panel, scalable RAM, which is super awesome. You can go from one gig of RAM and easily scale up to eight gigs if you need it. Node.js one-click install, Ruby version manager, unlimited bandwidth, unlimited hosted domains, unlimited 24-7 support. Go check them out and learn more at dreamhost.com slash the changelog. All right, we're back. Got uh, Brandon here, Jared. Gosh, man, Octopress is uh, Jekyll's Ferrari. I see it right here in the byline now. I didn't notice it before, but Octopress 3.0, space hyphen space, Jekyll's <laughs> Ferrari. Jekyll's Ferrari. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's Red just... Bad engine. Yeah, are... the fun thing is you can click the edit button and type whatever you want to. So uh, a couple of nights ago, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to call it Jekyll's Ferrari for a little while. Well, you know, hey, that's, you know, that's fine. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> so now you have, so Octopress did originate on your user on GitHub. Now it has its own right. org. So github.com slash Octopress, O-C-T-O, O-C-T-O-P-R-E-S-S, in case you did not spell Octopress. Um, so, so let's talk about, uh, 3.0. What, give me the elevator pitch to what's new in 3.0. What is 3.0 as compared to 2.0 and all the things we've talked about so far? So 3.0 is basically everything is shipped as an independent gem that has its own tests that has, uh, a CLI that kind of ties different tools together and you can, you know, use any part you want to without having to adopt a whole system. And it works with any Jekyll blog. There's no, uh, you have to change how you do things in order to adopt Octopress. It's, you know, any Jekyll site can add a plugin and immediately get the value from it. So walk me through the, the getting started then with 3.0. Do you, do you create a new Jekyll site? Do you clone something? Do you install a gem? What's the process? So yeah, you just create a new Jekyll site. Um, I'm still working on the migration for two, so I'm not really ready to talk too much about that. I'll tell you how hard it is in a little bit if you want. But um, if you uh, if you have a Jekyll site, you basically just need to install the Octopress gem. And that will come with, um, you know, I've broken things out a lot. There are a lot of separate little pieces. And Octopress, the main gem, doesn't include most of the plugins. It is mainly a CLI and a few other goodies. So um, it has a, uh, it has, really nice tools for working with posts, pages, drafts, um, and deployment. And so you can, uh, you know, one, one of the things it does is kind of like rails generators where you can kind of create a bunch of files that, you know, set up, uh, uh um, pages for you. You can just, uh, with the Octopress command line, you can run a command to create a new post or a new page. And Octopress introduced this concept of post and page templates. And so you can actually, there's a little templates directory where you can add, any kind of file you want to and put, you know, HTML markdown, whatever you want and wow, okay. YAML front matter. And when you create a new post, you can tell it to use a certain template as default, or you can have like, let's say you're writing sponsored posts. You can tell it to use a sponsored template and it'll generate a new post with the name you have and the date and everything and use your template, which is just kind of a nice thing to have for Jekyll. Um, it That's also really cool has, feature. I like that. 
Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, it just make thing, makes things faster because you know if you don't if you don't know much about Jekyll, you ha- there's like a, a lot of it's file system based, and so there is what well, the whole thing is, but a lot of it is particularly uh, file system based instead of metadata based. So you have a, a file that is in a specific place in a post directory with a date in the file name and all kinds of things in order for Jekyll to consider that a post and it and the way it treats it. So it kind of just takes care of all that work for you. Also, um, there's also, go ahead. Jekyll added a new uh, concept of drafts in, I think, 2.0, maybe one, I can't remember. And drafts are cool because they live in a separate drafts directory. And you can generate your site with drafts or, you know, normally generating it doesn't include the drafts. But if you want to publish a draft, you have to move it over to the post directory and change a bunch of metadata and do different things. And let's say you write a draft three days ago, and now you have to add a date for it. And, you know, it's using um, ISO 8601 dates. And so it's like, do I really want to type this out? And it's just stuff like that. It's like, hey, a computer can do that for me. So I added a uh, command for creating this thing's Octopress new draft and give it a title and it will dump it in your drafts folder. You write it, do whatever you want, and then you can just say Octopress publish and you can type uh, any, it's like a search string for uh, the title of that draft. And it will take that draft and it will convert it into a post and publish it into your post directory. And you can also unpublish posts so it, it works the same way. And if you have, like, let's say you um, are writing about, I don't know, cars, you can say Octopress unpublish uh, cars, and it will show you all the posts that have uh, the word cars in the title and let you pick the one and it moves it to drafts. That's cool. Yeah, I, I like, I remember, I guess, what has become the CLI before. It was a rake file. You know, I remember your deployments and stuff like that. And I think you and I had similar ways to deploy static file system-based sites because I was using Middleman, I think, before I was using Serve from, yet again, John Long, um, which actually, now that I remember it now, that's what the sasway.com originally was. It was a Serve site, and then we moved it to Middleman. Um, but I recall like what was you know now the CLI, I think, was just basically a rake file. Um, can you talk a bit about the... You know, I guess this process to the CLI does. You mentioned that uh, Octopress 3.0 is leveraging you know many gems that you may or may not have installed. And you can install one. Do do gems sort of come in and add onto the CLI? Like how expensive is the CLI system you have? Um, so yeah, any gem created for Octopress can can extend the CLI. And so for example, the deployment gem is separate. So Octopress deploy is at uh, you know GitHub.com/slash/octopress/slash/deploy it has uh, all the deployment stuff. And the reason I did that is I wanted to have those tests handled, handled separately, to have a pull request handled separately, all that kind of thing. And so that extends the CLI. So you can say Octopress deploy init S3, and it will generate a deploy YAML file for deploying to an S3 uh, system. So you can configure it for CloudFront. You can add you know, your AWS keys or have those be read from your NVVARs. Um, you can say, I want to deploy to rsync or Git based deployment for Heroku or GitHub pages or whatever. And it'll generate uh, a deployment YAML for you. And then when you just run Octopress deploy, it's, you know, it's requiring that gem. It's looking, it's extending the CLI. And so it recognizes that command and then it finds the, your deploy YAML and figures out where your settings are and runs all this crazy stuff and deploys it. And it, uh, it's, it's also nice because you can tell it to use a specific configuration. If you want to deploy to a staging site that maybe you have some, on some server that's password protected, so you can easily show previews to people. Uh, you can do that kind of thing with just telling it to use a different configuration than whatever the default is. So it seems to me like 
Jekyll has always been the hacker's blog system, right? It, and this seems like Octopress takes it like it does make it a Ferrari. Now that I'm hearing more more about this, like it, it definitely, you know, for someone who loves to tinker, people that remind me of tinkers is like when uh, Jared, you're a tinker, man. It seems like this is the kind of thing that I'm a tinker too. But I mean, I think that I, I imagine you and Win are like for sure tinkers. You love playing <laughs> with things like that, and yes. you know, you would dig in and. Yeah. Start using Jekyll and then start using Octopress and like little by little start pulling in different gems into your processes, into your system yeah. and maybe even write your own and leverage the CLI. And like this is a hacker's paradise to me. I think uh, – let me just speak to that real quick here. Uh, I think when I first saw Octopress back in the day, it was a blogging theme for Jekyll. And that wasn't all that attractive to me because like, well, I can write – you know, I can do a theme and I understand Jekyll and so – you know, what does it bring besides I really loved your code folding thing when you hover over a piece oh, yeah. of code and it unfolds the page so you can see the whole thing? That was rad. I kind of wanted that on my blog. But this sounds more like, I mean, man, the Ferrari thing makes sense and once you have some context because this sounds like a bunch of tools sitting on top of Jekyll making it just more uh, nice to work with. Um, you you have to do less plumbing yourself, but then you can build your own tools and, and integrate them into the system. So it almost feels like a layer on top, um, as opposed to just a starter theme. I'm I'm curious if there's theming involved as well. I'm, I'm kind of oh, we'll get. To I that. think there is. Okay. Oh, surprises. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. But yeah, this this take on it. Maybe this was what Octopress has been. I mean, obviously it's a new architecture, but maybe some of these things were there from the beginning and I just didn't see the light because I just thought it was just a blogging theme. Uh, it sounds like either the scope has, you know, has changed or um, you're, you're kind of just speaking about parts that maybe I wasn't privy to previously. Well, so it, it did have the option to deploy and it did have new page mm-hmm. themes and some of the, you know, or um, yeah, systems. It didn't have a templating system for pages. And so if you wanted to, you know, back in 2.0, if you wanted to change what your default uh, new post or something looked like, you had to edit the rake file. Like, it's stupid stuff like that. Right. And so I'm, you know, rebuilding a lot of these things and expanding the idea because now I've extracted a lot of this into something really small. And I can say, I'm going to solve the problem of how do you, um, you know, publish a draft? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. What is the best user interface? Because I could say, oh, yeah, uh, if you want to unpublish a post, just, you know, pass the path. You can do that. It'll accept the path, but it'll also accept a file name. And if it can't find that file, it'll search in the post directory, you know, for file names that match that. So it's like, I'm just thinking, what is the nicest user interface? Because that's, see, I'm a designer at heart. This, that's why this has been such a big learning process for me. Um, And so a lot of my interest is um, making something that feels like it respects me as I use it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so some of the fun for me is just saying, you know, what is, I have this one tiny thing that I'm working on. How can I make this as nice as possible? And that's also why it's taking me a long time yeah, to get this out. Yeah. So another cool thing, um, it's, it, Octopress isn't just about working with your Jekyll site. It's also about open source around Jekyll. And so I've written some other cool things. One is fun. Uh, do you guys ever use um, a Ruby debugger? Yeah. Like a, like a command line one? Sure. Pry by bug. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Cool. So Octopress brings that to Jekyll templates. So there's a um, Octopress uh, debugger uh, gem that you can install and allows you to, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with liquid, but it's like mustache percent and then whatever, must, uh, percent mustache. So you can say, you can add a debug tag 
in a post or page and you can actually like step through a loop as liquid builds your site. And so for people wow. who are and it, and it, you know, goes to the command line so you can like test, you know, local variables, you can do all kinds of cool stuff and see what's happening. And so as you're working on plugins, you can use Octopress debugger to say, you know, what's happening here? Why isn't this freaking working? Instead of having to like figure out how to, you know, write stuff to a file and then read the files or things are breaking. It's just so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a under, uh, on GitHub on iMathis clash, C L A S H. There's a, uh, gem called clash. It has a command line and it's all about uh, a testing framework for Jekyll, which I wrote in order to make it a lot easier to write these, uh, all these cool plugins and frameworks. And what it does is it uh, it has its own scaffolding and stuff, so you can easily get started with a new uh, Jekyll um, project. So if you want to create a gem that adds some nice features to Jekyll, you can use Clash to build the Jekyll site and compare uh, generated uh, pages to whatever your expected is. So you just um, you know set up your plugin. Let's say it's a liquid tag or something generate your Jekyll site and then say, okay, this is how I expect it to look. You just, you can run a command that just says, accept those changes and it will um, create, you know, test files and stuff that, that match how it looks. And then it'll always, it'll run diffs against that stuff. And so you'll see these nice little diff outputs when you're running it. And I test basically everything I've written with that. It's pretty cool. Huh? Yeah. So I'm on autopress, github.com slash autopress. And it looks like you have dozens of, uh, repos here several pages yeah several pages of- there's, there's about 30 repos so you got code blocks syntax highlighting you got ink which is a core component for building gem based jekyll themes little foot fancy footnote popovers with native javascript for any jekyll site <laughs> all yeah, sorts of goodies one. out here asset pipeline yeah hello yep uh so yeah there's other cool stuff so social ink, share buttons uh, i'll talk yeah social share buttons yep. yes so little foot is a, is a thing i released recently because you probably guys have probably seen bigfoot js i got bigfoot on my blog all right, so basically, I don't want everybody to have to have jQuery who wants to have nice footnotes on their Jekyll site. Yes. And so any Jekyll site you have, you can just add um, Octopress Littlefoot, and it will use all native JavaScript, and it basically does the same thing that Bigfoot does. Oh. And it comes with style sheets and everything that are automatically integrated into your site. I'm putting that so, in my blog this weekend. Yeah, check it out. It's cool. Let me know how it goes for you, too. I will. So you're using Jekyll, Jared? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I missed that part. Okay. Yeah. My personal okay. website's been Jekyll, and my company's website's a Jekyll site. That one's on GitHub Pages. My personal site is just on uh, an old DreamHost account because I don't have care. Well, just because. Uh, but yeah, it's been on Jekyll for years, uh, and you know, over time, well, I. So I heard you mention Jekyll earlier. I just didn't know that you said that your blog was in Jekyll. I just guess I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, I've been I've been using Jekyll for for a while, and um, you know, honestly, over time, it's lost its luster. I sometimes dread aspects of cha- making changes to my sites. Uh, I don't write very often, and I try to blame that on Jekyll, even though it's not really his fault. Um, so some of this stuff in Octopress is really starting to. T- I like how you both have tickled my fancy a little bit. What's that? The male perspective and it's a person. You, you both <laughs> acted like Jekyll's a person. Well, because he's got a Ferrari he's, and he and he he stops me from blogging. There you go. You gotta blame somebody. <laughs> I know. That's he's my. Wait, well, hey, if you're gonna not if you're gonna not blog, do it on a static site because that's you don't right. have to worry about having to update things and getting hacked. So speaking oh my goodness, of the, Adam, Jared, you pointed out. I guess you googled that. No, so in our back channel, we were talking previously about uh, the Web 2.0 show. Adam found the link, and he pasted it in the Skype back channel, 
Um, and Skype went out and, you know, Skype tries to get fancy now and they go out and they grab a preview of the page with the page title. Uh, I hope I'm not saying too much here, Adam, but no, that's cool. <laughs> but it was some, uh, the t- some, his old WordPress site, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a WordPress yeah. site. I've been meaning to, to make it static forever now, but it's like the lowest thing on my totem pole to, to deal so with. So he pasted me a link to it just so we have it for the show notes and it said, buy Cipro without prescription. Oh, yeah. Right in this page so, title. So I said, yeah, you got hacks. Yeah, this is an unmaintained WordPress site. It still runs, which is great, but well, it's it also to that's, it's really that's the problem is it still runs, right? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, it's, that's that's bad news there. So good. we did find a link to that GitHub <laughs> show from way back in the day. But don't visit the site because you might get but, malware uh, on your machine. No, just, eh, maybe. Nah. Just don't click any audio files. <laughs> hey, my, my worst ever was, um, I think, some gallery plugin for WordPress. Someone ended up installing some kind of uh, backdoor system for hacking banks on my shared PHP host. So Yikes. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, let's get rid of this thing as quickly as possible. I do not want to get in big trouble. No doubt. So uh, since we're talking about some of the repos on the Octopress org, one that I see... Um, that's lacking, and you can tell me why, is the Docker one. Well, is there an image? Is there not an image? Is it read me? Oh, that's not actually me yet. Uh, that's uh, Jordan, who also works on Jekyll, uh, said he wanted to create a Docker image for Octopress. I said, go for it. So I created him a repo and gave him some permissions. So, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's it's coming, then. It's com- well, I see you got to commit here, so I got you to blame. Yeah. Go ahead, blame me. I don't mind. <laughs> It's all, it's all your or fault. Not, I, there's plenty of other goodies in there that are worth talking about. Uh, no, no, no. no. I'm just, no of course, of course. Well, the reason why I say that is because only because of the getting started we talked about earlier, which right. is how it, how much work it takes to get started with the old version of Octopress. Um, you know, having Ruby, not having, you know, all these different scenarios here, and and Docker obviously flattens that playing field quite a bit. So if there was Docker out there, and all you had to do was have Docker on a machine, and you could pretty much have an environment ready to go to run this new Octopress site and really make it, uh, you know, a, a top of the line Ferrari. You know? Yeah, the 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 cats working on Jekyll are really um, excited about getting Jekyll on Docker, and I think everybody kind of wants to make it so much easier to get started with this stuff because I, you know, I mean, a lot of governments use Jekyll for their sites, and it would be awesome for people to just want to have a site that they don't have to worry about managing an admin interface for and updating stuff like if they just want it to be really simple it'd be great for them to have an easy way to install that i still don't think that docker is an easy way to do everything yet but it's getting closer yeah. i mean you know it's it is getting closer it is getting closer one step i mean one of the reasons i was really excited about building a cli for octopress is just because that allows people to do all kinds of extra things you know it's, it'd be easier to write a gui or something on top of that anything that can just farm commands out to octopress uh it, it just opens it up more so um but yeah, there's some other cool stuff in here. Um, so let's see. What are uh, some of your favorites? So you're going to tell us which you're one, tell us which about one gave you the most joy. Oh, well, oh the, yeah, I'll ink, tell you what the coolest ink. one is. It has the least docs right now because actually the docs are in another folder. They're not in the readme. Um, but Octopress Inc. is freaking awesome. It is the theming system for Jekyll. And the, the, the Jekyll maintainers are basically in the, they have a Jekyll talk. I think it's like talk.jekyllrb.com um, where they're saying, Yes, people should be using ink if they want to do Jekyll theming. Uh, and it's it's the main reason that I haven't put the uh, final 
um, yes, uh, Octopress 3 is out, and this is exactly what we should do to use it post up on octopress.org um, because I'm not quite done, and I want to get all the documentation in. So um, Octopress Inc. is a system for making it really easy to write plugins um, for a Jekyll site. So it handles the asset pipeline management. It handles, uh, it adds uh, CLI commands for working with your plugin. So for example, on that uh, Littlefoot.js thing, that is built on Octopress Inc. And when you install that, you'll put a um, CSS asset tag and JS asset tag liquid tag on your, uh, in your head or foot or wherever you want to put it. And Octopress Inc. will generate a um, fingerprinted, uh, compressed style sheet in JavaScript uh, and inject the you know script tags and stuff in that place, and it'll put it on your site. Uh, you can also manage the compression settings and stuff. You can say, I want all plugins to generate their own uh, files so you can troubleshoot stuff really easily. But basically, you have uh, you know, once you install that, you have any any Octopressing plugin you install automatically gets combined into a single um, style sheet or JavaScript, and it's based on your gem load order or whatever. Also, uh, the the Octopress asset pipeline adds um, adds your own local style sheets and stuff to that asset pipeline, which is nice. But the uh, the cool thing also about all this is that um, when you're using Octopress Inc, you have uh, each plugin has its own configuration, and so you can run like Octopress Inc list, and it will show you all the plugins you have installed in the command line with information about them and what assets they come with. So you can include JavaScript style sheets. Um, you can use CoffeeScript or SAS. You can do, uh, you know, images, pages. You can use generators that uh, can create index pages with pagination. Uh, it's all multi-language. Oh, yeah, it's other cool one. Uh, Octopress multilingual <laughs> lets you do multi-language. Just, just wait, there's more. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there are so many things, and they're all really cool. Like, the, the multi-language stuff is super neat. If you have a site that you want to post in multiple languages, you can have separate feeds, separate indexes, uh, tags, indexes, uh, category index, like all these kinds of cool things um, for, for whatever languages you are uh, writing about. And um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. And so with Octopress Inc., you can also run a command that will generate a plugin scaffold that is a gem. And all you have to do, like if you wanted to put out some JavaScript and style sheets, like that's, that you just want to write a theme or something. All you have to do is dump those into a JavaScript directory and a StyleSheets directory, and then you can bundle up the theme and send it. And when somebody installs that, that automatically gets installed to their asset pipeline. Very nice. So it's really cool. Wow. A lot of neat stuff. Lots of goodies. Well, let's take a break here. We'll hear from a sponsor. Uh, on the backside of the sponsor break, we will talk perhaps about the roadmap to 3.0, what steps have been taken, what steps still need to be taken. Maybe we'll try to pin him down on a release date for this thing. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. You've heard me talk about TopTal several times on this podcast, but today is different. I've got a special treat for you. I went out and spoke with a listener who a year ago had never heard of TopTal. He listened to the show just like you're doing right here, right now today, and heard us talk about TopTal and what they're all about, and he decided to get in touch. And now he's living the dream as a freelance software developer with TopTal. His name is Daniel Elzon. And I sat down and I talked with him. I said, hey, what is it that you love most about TopTal? Take a listen. Well, for me, the, the thing about TopTal, which I thought would be very hard for me personally as I transitioned to a more consulting role, uh, 
was the, the way I would have access to new clients and what quality of those would be. So I found that I've had access to awesome clients through TopTal and it hasn't been that hard to find because they have a lot of choice. And even more than that, uh, there's enough choice and I, I can actually be a little selective about what kinds of things I want to be working on. So I use that as a way to sort of hone my skills and you know, go towards the technology that I think are, are worth investing in for the future. So whether it's, you know, including new front-end frameworks or doing a little DevOps work on the side, I, I, I usually am able to find clients who are uh, have the needs of the things I want to get better at. So that's been that's been uh, truly useful. All right, that was Daniel Lazan, a listener of the Change Log, and also a freelance software developer with TopTal. If you want to follow in Daniel's footsteps. Go to toptal.com slash developers. That's T-O-P-T-A-L dot com slash developers to learn more about what TopTal's all about and tell them the changelog sent you. All right, we are back talking about Octopress with Brandon Mathis. Brandon, you had on a recent blog post on the octopress.org uh, an announcement about Octopress 3.0 is coming. This was in January. We're recording this in June, still not here. That's all right. Software is hard, and you have been releasing all sorts of goodies along the way. Um, but you also published a release plan, and in that plan, uh, you have kind of six steps to a 3.0 release. Curious where you're at uh, with things. Step one was finish Octopress Genesis. Um, you had write a migration guide. Step three was move the master branch to the legacy branch. Um, switch to a, a GitHub org, which you've done that, obviously. And then new doc site, and then release Octopress as 3.0 and Octopress Inc. as 1.0. Where you are in that uh, release plan? Uh, so basically, I am at, well, I still have to move I'm at this Octopress to the Octopress org. Right now, I just have two repos, and I really don't want to have that old one anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's. I've always been confused about that. I wasn't never sure which one was the canonical. Yeah. Well, Octopress, Octopress will be the canonical. Okay. Um, will be. Yes. But it isn't now. Well, I mean, it is for 3.0. The other one oh, okay. is just a vestigial uh, repo. Oh, so it's only for legacy then. Right. That's And so I, that'll I be see. a branch or something on whatever the current one, or on Octopress, Octopress. So um, I still need to do that. And it's just kind of one of those things where I want to have the migration guide written and published so that when people are like trying to figure out how to clone this thing and run this stuff that, that you know, the site needs to be done for that to happen. All um, the stars will turn into hate mail. Yeah. Right. It's a, uh, yeah, I gotta, it's, it's a little bit, um, overwhelming, uh, given the popularity of the current version of Octopress trying to make some of these changes. And, uh, I still hear from people who are, they have no idea that this is happening, even though there's a post about it. I need to do a better job of communicating about it. But anyway, um, that's why I'm here. So the uh, talk about the doc site actually is one, one of the other cool things that I forgot to mention that Octopress CLI does. Um, so if you have a bunch of gems installed that are Octopress gems, or even if you guys write gems and uh, you can add a little snippet of code that will register them with documentation. So you can run Octopress docs from the command line and it'll launch a Jekyll site that has the documentation, it'll suck in the readme and the change log, and you can add additional docs pages as well for any of the plugins you have installed on your site. So you can read, without having to go to GitHub, it's all local, you know, installed in your gems, you can read all the documentation for everything installed. And so I'm using that same system of collecting documentation from um, gems and repositories and stuff 
for building the site. And so everything that, ha- you know, all of the plugins I have, their documentation is in the readme. And some of them, if they have additional things like, you know, walkthroughs or things like that, they can put that in the, uh, there's a docs directory that Octopress Inc. Uh, creates if you're creating an Inc. plugin or you can, anyway, those are all like implementation details. But basically you can easily add documentation to different gem plugins. And that's what uh, the new site is going to use. And so finishing that is uh, currently uh, happening. And I am trying to finish up the new default theme because the power of a default theme surprises me, as you guys yes. have already mentioned. Oh, yes. So I really want to get this to be a lot better, um, to be really nice. Is it a redesign or a realign? Oh, it's, well, it's all, it's just all starting over. I mean, web development has changed so much. You know, we're all using SVG stuff or whatever now. Mm-hmm. There's just better ways of doing things. Um, and so I'm trying to embrace a lot of that. And come up with a nice looking theme that people want to use that has a lot of flexibility. You know, people like these large image headers and stuff like that. I want to make it easy to add those to posts. And it's a lot of it is just kind of deciding, you know, I've I've built something that works, but I kind of want to rip it apart and do it again a little bit, (laughs) which is, it's, you know, it's remind. It it seems like you, you would do that. Yeah. um, Not in a bad way, but you, you seem like you have a high threshold for satisfaction. Like you, uh, you want things to be really, really good. And that's good. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it's, I mean, a theme is such a hard thing to do. It's like I'm combining, uh, I, you know, I've written so many special liquid tags just for making theming easier. Things that uh, like conditionally render a, a partial based on some configuration. Um, and, you know, there's so many different things that happen under the hood in a template just to generate good HTML. Um, and getting all of that so that it's easy for somebody to work with. I'm thinking about how the user will come to this, and I don't want them to have to mess with this stuff. If you have a theme that's been built on Octopress Inc., you can uh, co- you can run a command, and it will copy from the gem um, all of the assets, so like the layouts, the includes, um, images, anything that, you know, fonts, whatever comes with your theme can be copied to an override location in the plugins directory of uh, the site you're working on. And then you can delete whatever you don't want to override, but anything that's there will automatically just override your theme uh, from the gem. And so it makes it really easy to edit these things. And so I'm thinking a lot about if someone does want to edit these, I want to break them up in a way that's very easy to edit. And so there's just, there's a lot of consideration that goes into just that part, let alone the CSS. So yeah, it's, it's intense. uh, But this is your own monster, though, right? Like you made this monster, right? It's <laughs> it's as complex as you make it. Well, I mean, it, it it's the thing is is her. It's like a lot of uh, a, and this is the right way to do theming, especially for a static site. This is just a it's a really nice way to work with it. And the burden that I'm putting on myself is setting up a pattern. You know, I imagine that people are going to fork my theme and then ditch the style sheets and write their own, or use this as a way of learning how to do. Uh, themes for Jekyll. Yeah. And so I want to really give good patterns to everyone. So, if, you know, as this begins yeah. to take off, people will say, you know, oh, I can, I can easily create a theme. This, ha- this has everything I need, except I want to change these things about it. And so rather than getting pull requests and having to manage, you know, this one repo that is the only way to do everything, uh, it, it's just, you know, people can easily fork and create their own stuff and, um, and release gems for them. So, yeah, it's, that's I, I want to have once I have that theme where I like it, then I can build the documentation. Uh, I can you know 
make the documentation. I can make the documentation this, site, use that theme, mm-hmm. and then I can replace the docs as they are now. And so that's so really what the I'm theme for. is Octopress Genesis. Is that yes. right? Okay. So Genesis is the theme name. I thought that was maybe your code name for the core. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the theme name. I guess this is all new. We didn't talk about this. What's what's Genesis? Oh, yeah. So Genesis, I mean, you can try using it now. It does work, um, but it's not super well documented. But that is, you can dig around in the uh, that repo. Uh, I think it's Octopress slash Genesis theme, Um, and it will kind of give you an idea of what it's like to build something uh, for for uh, Jekyll theming. So Hmm. yeah, as a total sidebar. Uh, for those listening, perhaps when you say when you say Octopress Inc., it's easy once you read it. But if you haven't read it, it makes it sounds like you're starting a corporation around Octopress. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's like the, you know that's I N K That's Inc. not uh, Inc. Comma I N C. Yeah. yeah, I thought of it kind of like you know uh, if if an octopus was going to create art, it would use its ink, right? Kind of che- right. cheesy, kind of cute. I don't know. Nice. Both <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. I embrace it. <laughs> So finish the theme, Octopress Genesis, the migration guide. It's in progress. Um, so basically, I have migrated the original doc site to use Octopress 3. I haven't published it from that yet because there's some other things I want to change. Um, but the, the tricky part about uh, explaining to people how to migrate is that people, if they just use the stock Octopress uh, clone and they add their own stuff to it, it's super easy, uh, especially if they want to ditch the theme. Uh, all I've I've replaced all of the plugins that I wrote for the original Octopress with separate gems, so they can add what they want to use and what they don't, and it won't break. But if they made a whole bunch of changes and their site depends on those changes to build, then it's like, um, choose your own adventure, pal. Sorry, uh, you know, you <laughs> I helped you create this monster, and I can only apologize. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's kind of there's going to be a golden path that should be simple for anyone. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's all, if it's a bunch of markdown files in a post directory and you just want to migrate your content, you can just create a new Jekyll site, add the theme gem and dump it in there. But you know, if people got really crazy with Ruby and they wrote tags that depend on weird things, like, you know, you just never know what somebody's going to have done. And so that part is a little bit daunting for me to say, uh, try this, you know, and then write me all kinds of email for help. (laughs) Well, from my perspective, I think if, if you... If you see the Octopress 3.0 is the new better hotness, the the red Ferrari as we talked about, you'd want the all the attributes of the red Ferrari. You wouldn't want to like you know take the skin off the red Ferrari and put it on your jalopy Civic. Anybody driving a Civic <laughs> out there? Sorry about that, but just put a big wing on the back, man. It, it, it'd make it go faster. Yeah, I mean, I would want to get rid of anything fun I might have done. I guess it, it it's sort of case by case, but yeah, and that's that's the yeah. really hard part is you know you write a guide and it. And somebody sits there and tries it on their site. And they're like, well, why doesn't it work? And they're like, well, remember two years ago when you added this Ruby and you did this thing and you broke all this stuff? Well, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. So you stand to, you stand, that's why it is a point release too. So there are breaking changes. Oh, massive breaking. I mean, nothing about it is similar. <laughs> right. So migration guide is in progress to a degree. At least you have an idea what you want to say. Right. I've written it uh, several times. So <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> So moving the master branch to the legacy branch for maintenance is that that's pretty easy, right? Uh, yeah. Or no? Uh, that, should, that should be pretty. I mean, it's it's just a matter of uh, creating a uh, clean branch and then you know adding all the content from the current uh, Octopress at IMathis, and then just um, 
you know, GitHub makes it very easy to move one repo to another. And the reason I would do that is because, um, you know, there are probably tons of links out there pointing people to Octopress and they're pointing them to IMath as Octopress. And I want people to find the new good stuff instead of see some broken page or yeah. see some pages that totally oh, go sense. here. Like it's just, or, you know, people that are, uh, fa- you know, who uh, start it because they want to follow it, you know, maybe they don't know, like this is another way to signal to them, Hey, this yeah. is a new thing. So there's, you know, that's a really good point to, to mention there. I think say that again, because that's, that's something I think people will experience where they have a popular project on, you know, on a personal uh, user and then move it to an org. Have you researched this a ton? Like, is there a blessed way to do this without losing stars and watchers and redirects? And stuff? I mean, I know GitHub makes it easy, but is it harder than it seems? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it can be. It it just depends. You know, a lot like the, the thing that I hate about it is that the issues follow you. Right. And there are a lot of open uh, issues that I'm just going to go through and close and say this is you know no longer supported. Um. And if you want to fork this and maintain the uh, separate thing, you know, I'm, I'm happy to encourage you not to do that because it, it will only result in pain, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it will only result in pain. That's all it's coming from that. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. So I, I think the, that's the, that's the main thing that I don't like about it is all of a sudden I have new issues that I have to go through and, and, you know, I, I try to be, I, oh gosh, I'll say the people who have been using the new stuff have been awesome. Uh, people have filed lots of issues. There's been lots of pull requests and it's been so much easier to maintain it. I've had, um, you know, a lot of help and um, it's been really encouraging to see how quickly I can get new stuff out and release new versions and not have to worry about breaking anybody's stuff. Um, so uh, I am already very blessed by the new system with all the separate gems that each solve their own little problems. And yeah, I, bet. Yeah, I, I look forward to more users getting to enjoy that. So the the real time consuming things then really seem to be obviously wrapping up the theme, which we realize how important that is. The migration guy is super important. Uh, the new doc site, which leverages Genesis, so that's sort of the blocker there. Just talking in terms of agile, I guess. Right. And then uh, to top it all off, the cherry on the on the top is release Octopress 3.0 and Octopress Inc. Right. Yeah. Uh, finish all the documentation for Octopress Inc. Um, and some of that, you know, if I have a really good theme that people can use. I have some time to explain. Code documentation. Yeah, I have some. I mean, thing. it has some documentation to it, but it, it's. To, I, I want to be able to write guides. Like that's to me, that's the, the higher level documentation, explaining what a method does and what commands you can use. That's great, but I want to say to somebody, um, okay, you just started using this for the first time. You have no idea what's going on. Here's a story you can read that will tell you um, what you're going to encounter and uh, you know what you know what you're going to need as you're going to need it. So, uh, or if you're interested in this other thing, here's another cool, you know, people are going to come at this from different angles. And so finding ways to explain that to them, it's, it's, it's like, uh, when you have a product, you have different landing pages to explain to people who are trying to use it for different things, why they care about it and what features will help them. And so that's really kind of what I want. I, I want it to provide documentation that is of that quality. Well, I think this, uh, the release plan talking about that has just perfectly aligned us with the first closing question which which to me is everyone listening to this i know there's tons of people out there using octopress you know it i know it uh the stars on github say so as well um but for that caring community both users and potentially contributing developers what is the best way to help you move through this release plan support you 
either you know it could be documentation it could be whatever what are, what are some of the ways that people can step up and help with uh, the needs of octopress right now so i think um people who have existing sites the using older versions of octopress if they try to migrate to use the new stuff the, the, the hard the hard thing is because i don't have a theme yet it's not like i can tell them use this theme it's like well if you were depending on the old theme if that's why you used octopress then um write some html and css you know <laughs> it's it's not a great thing to They're tell them. Do that. right so there's that automatically reduces my audience to a large degree of who is willing to jump ship and try the new stuff until i have that out there but for those who are just interested in jekyll even um, anybody who has, if you've had a lightweight Octopress site and you either there are Jekyll themes out there you can use too. Um, but if you want to try the new stuff, um, uh, right now, dig around on the Octopress org repos and see what's there. Um, you know, reach out to me if you want to talk. I've had a lot of email correspondence with different people who are interested in working on different parts. Uh, try things out, break things, complain about them. Um, you know, somebody the other day was asking me to add a Google app engine deployment system to Octopress deploy. And I was like, dude, send me a pull request. I've never used it before, but I'm happy to review it and try things out. Um, so, uh, I've had lots of people try if you, if you are a person who likes to write in multiple languages, please try Octopress multilingual. It makes that so much easier in Jekyll. Um, yeah. So mainly what I'm looking for is pull requests and issues opened on the new stuff. And anybody that wants to share what it was like for them to migrate, some people have already written blog posts about that. And those are really helpful too. So you do have some people who have started to use it, but just they've said, okay, there's no theme yet for it. Right. And they're sort of operating in this unknown world where it's not quite released. Well, they just use their old layouts and themes and stuff. And they're just removing, right. they're just removing plugins that they don't need anymore because they can use the new ones. So uh, it's, you know, a lot of it is just delete the pl- plugins from your, plugins directory and add some gems and build until it works. <laughs> it's, you know, there you go. it's, yeah, it's a little bit of discovery there, which is unfortunate. And this is why I'm getting away from it. And I can't wait till everyone has the awesomeness version and this sort of thing doesn't happen anymore. So for those listening right now that use Octopress and say, I haven't migrated, but I will right after the show, how do I do it? What's the first thing that I know you may have already said it already, but what's the first step they could take to take their old Jekyll, uh, their old Octopress ways of doing things. How could they move into Octopress 3.0? Well, they can try um, installing the Octopress gem and just work with the new uh, command lines and uh, command line tools. So there's a the there's a giant uh, Markdown readme that explains everything you can do with the Octopress CLI on uh, Octopress Octopress, and um, try that stuff out. And uh, you know. Like I said about the plugins, remove the, remove the old stuff, look for the new ones on um, on the uh, Octopress org. So, gotcha. I, yeah. So, so for those out there who go and do this and try it out, give Brandon some feedback. What's the best way to do it? An issue, an email, a tweet, a blog post? Um, all? Yeah, I mean, all the above? Yeah, create an issue if it makes sense to create an issue. Uh, um, issues. I'm thinking like to give feedback to the rest of the community who might be coming behind them about the migration path. Or, right. Yeah. So that you know, blog sharing. posts are great for that. Um, if they can also, if they want to open an issue for discussion, I'm, I'm happy to discuss that sort of thing. Cause that's totally relevant. Um, but yeah, I think the, one of the better ways to start really is with a new vanilla Jekyll site. So that I think a lot of uh, Octopress users or not, I don't know of a lot, you know, <laughs> that's one thing I have no idea how big the community is because, um, 
it's not like a gem where you have download numbers or you have ways of tracking right. that sort of thing. So it's a little different. But I think many people have come to Octopress and don't understand Jekyll. And they don't even know they're using Jekyll or they don't really think about, you know, how Jekyll does things. And so I think having a fundamental understanding of Jekyll is way better than being like, where's my bloody rake task? You know, like I, right. I don't, I don't want to, it, it's a little bit hard for people if they have never really seen the Jekyll part of Octopress before. And now all of a sudden that sort of changes for them. Um, but yeah, if you understand what Jekyll's doing, then I say start a new Jekyll site and start playing with new Octopress plugins for it. Our next uh, closing question, one everybody loves to answer and loves to hear the answers of is who is your programming hero? I'm going to have to go. So I've, I've thought about this a lot because uh, I knew this was going to come on when I agreed to, to be on the show. And so I, I really think um, it's, I'm going to have to say with Chris Coyer on this because uh, he's a really nice dude who builds a lot of great stuff and helps everyone. Like he is so good at helping everyone. And that's he is. like, very helpful. Oh, it's just so awesome. And I, you know, the times that I've gotten to hang out with him, um, he's just the sweetest person. So I, I, I like what he does for, um, the front end nerds like me and, you know, of course code pen. I mean, that's such a gift. Like I use that thing so much. Um, actually when I was working on the, uh, code highlighting plugins for, for Octopress, um, I was trying some new uh, HTML and I wanted to see how they work as a, you know, for, for uh, vision impaired users, you know, can they use screen readers to follow the code plugins? And some guy was telling me there were some issues with it. So I actually uh, dumped HTML over on CodePen and just was really f- rapidly iterating with him and saying, you know, does this work? Does this work? And he kept trying it with all of his different uh, um, screen readers. And it was like so useful. So yeah. Chris Coyer is doing awesome stuff and um, totally look up to him. Uh, so, yeah. Couldn't have picked a, uh, a better hero. I didn't expect you to say him, but I, oh, really? I can see totally. Well, no, I just, I wasn't, I guess I didn't really have any expectations. I just, yeah, I, I figured which way would you go? Would you go the designer route or would you go the developer route in terms of a hero? And Chris is sort of both. You know? Yeah, I mean, he he more closely aligns with the kind of things that I do. Actually, I got to introduce him to SAS, which was really fun. Um, that's so cool. that's kind of a little feather in my cap. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- anyway, he's got the he's got his um, uh, he's got his podcast that he does. Why did I just forget the name of it? I'm subscribed to Shop Talk. Uh, Shop Talk. Thank Shop you. Talk. I, mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I just need to hear, think of some banjo music, uh, and then I'll remember Shop Talk Show. <laughs> so yeah, he's got that. He's doing um, just. He's putting out a lot, and um, you know, whenever I'm searching for something about CSS, he's got stuff written about it that is know, very right? helpful to like, me. You can't do a search for CSS of anything and not somehow land on CSS tricks. Funny aside to that is when we were originally going to do the SASWay.com, uh, we had considered. Uh, SAS tricks. Oh. And we even considered like SAS hyphen tricks.com. It's just like <laughs> just a jab in the side. No, we can, cons- <laughs> no, no, it's more of an homage than anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was never like, hey, we're taking your thunder. I mean, who could take CSS tricks thunder? Right. Um, you can't have it. But it was, you know, because the original tagline f- for it was like, uh, which is why we called it the SAS way, is also an homage to the Ruby way and the Rails way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Obi and all that good stuff, you know, but it was like, you know, you're writing and, and you could probably attest to this too, Brandon, because when we were originally trying to like get people excited about SAS, 
it was like we were speaking foreign languages and no one understood what the heck we were talking about. Yeah. And I remember talking to you, Brent. I was like, we need to do a SaaS podcast. This is actually just before, I think, just before we created this show, The Changelog. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. Thinking about that. But it was like, you don't have to write CSS that hard way anymore. There's a better way. It's called the SaaS way. And so that's. That's why the that's why the name stuck. Yeah, and then, then it turns out that eventually CSS tricks also became SAS tricks. <laughs> because <laughs> that's true, because if he's writing a style sheet on there, it's probably gonna be sad. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Brand, I gotta say, man, it's it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You have our full support in every way we can. Uh, listeners, please help Brandon in any way you can. If you're an Octopress user or an, a, just a Jekyll user. Try out Octopress. Get a Ferrari. Stop uh, driving a Civic. <laughs> not that Jekyll's a Civic without without uh, Octopress. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's Jekyll's, wonderful. It, it's just like it's like taking your engine and, and like putting that aftermarket chip in it, <laughs> right? Like the, the the stock chip is really great and it'll do great. But there's an aftermarket chip and it's totally free. That's on GitHub. Well, I will say the, the one of the things that um, people will ask is so all this stuff works with Jekyll, why are you calling it Octopress anymore? And I was like, wait a minute, it always worked with Jekyll. And there's there's this unfortunate, and I talk about this in that post, there's this unfortunate concept that Jekyll and Octopress are separate communities. And I so badly want to destroy that. Um, and the reason I'm using Octopress is because I can name gems whatever I want to with an Octopress prefix. I don't want to use Jekyll prefix and steal stuff from them. I don't, you know, it's, it's kind of like I get to have, you know, this is branded... Uh, as something that I am building or people who understand uh, what it's like to build great stuff on top of Jekyll are building. You know, the people who build an Octopress plugin. But um, it's, uh, yeah, so that's, it, it is as much as I can possibly embrace Jekyll's community. That's what Octopress is. Well, Brandon, like I said, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show. Um, we're here to support however we can. Octopress seems really awesome. I feel far more enlightened now to having you on the show talking about it. Where before I was like, what is it? How is it going to work? <laughs> now I totally get it. Oh, good. Uh, Jared and I, our lights are on. We're, we are home. So we, we, uh, we're excited about it. Uh, we do have an upcoming show that's pretty cool. The next show we're doing is uh, is with Peter. I'm not sure how you're going to say his last name. I think it's Burgoyne. B-O-U-R-G-O-N. So I'm going to say Burgoyne. Uh, he wrote this thing called Go Kid. It's, it's Go in the modern imp- enterprise. As everyone knows, uh, Java is dying or should be dead, and Go is the new hotness. And this is a measure to bring uh, Go into the enterprise and take over the Java world. So there you go. Go Kit. Awesome. That's the next show coming up. But uh, for now, let's say goodbye. See ya. Bye, everyone.